0: So we are continuing our series on the Beatitudes. This is the penultimate episode, if you will, before we finish off. We're going to finish off on Good Friday, actually, because it ties in really quite nicely with the, uh, the message and the, the story of Good Friday, because the final Beatitude is blessed are those who are persecuted, which obviously is exactly what happened to Jesus. So we're going to round up um, the series on Friday. Um, but this morning, let's reread. The, the full series, the full uh, set of Beatitudes, and then we'll get into number seven. So this is, once again, this is taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gets up onto the mountain, and he begins to, to share with the people, and he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this morning we are on number seven, beatitude number seven. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. And all of the Beatitudes, as we've said a number of times, begin with this word blessed, which means happy, but not in a kind of superficial sense, but it's that internal joy that lives within us through the power of the Holy Spirit that means that no matter what our circumstance or situation, we can have joy, we can have happiness and there's such a poetic flow that goes on through these statements. As Joe spoke on last week, looking at blessed are the pure in heart. And as we conquer sin in our own lives, it's, it's then that we receive the inner peace, not in a new age sense, but in a true biblical sense, the peace of God, knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that we are made holy. We become pure in heart. And it's then out of that that we can begin to bring peace into our world. And so this morning we're looking at that question of what does it look like, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? And so this word peace or shalom is a, is a kind of common Jewish greeting and it means more than kind of our Western understanding of this, this word peace. You know, perhaps we assume a definition of that is the, the absence of conflict you know we pray for peace in our world and, uh, and and peace in our families and peace in our homes which is this this idea this theme of you know absence of conflict but actually the kind of meaning behind this this word shalom this this jewish greeting is more like saying may you be filled with a complete and perfect peace and be full of well-being. That is the se- the sentiment that's put into this one little word. Or maybe it, it could mean, may health, prosperity and peace of mind and spirit be upon you. It's quite a beautiful saying. Or maybe it's, may you have all the righteousness and goodness that God can give you. So when when they kind of greet each other with this word shalom, it has such a, a depth and a richness of meaning Behind it, which I just think is really powerful and really cool. And, and actually, when we use this word as a, as a verb to, to bring shalom or to, to make shalom, it, it literally means to, to make complete or to, to bring restoration. And we see that throughout scripture, we see that throughout the word of God. And you know, the prophet Isaiah spoke of a future prince of peace who would bring a peace without end. And the, the birth of Jesus was the, the arrival of peace. He came to, to give peace, to bring peace uh, for us. And then his death, it made peace between a, a messed up humanity and our heavenly father. He came to kind of make peace between us, restoring to wholeness the broken relationship between humanity and God. And the Apostle Paul said that Jesus is our peace. He said that Jesus was the whole complete human that that we are made to be, but fail to be. And so we're called to make peace. We're called to be peacemakers. And this, this kind of true meaning of peace, it's not the absence of conflict, but actually it's the presence of God. So it's not talking about absence of something, it's talking about the presence of something, and that something is God. And it's about taking what's broken and restoring it, making it whole once again. Whether that's in our lives, whether that's in our relationships, or whether that's in our world. That's what bringing peace means. But the truth is that often the, the pursuit of peace, when we chase after, when we try to bring peace, when we try to make peace, it often results in trouble. And I think that's what we're seeing in this there's a seemingly contradicting verse to, you know, so Jesus is saying, we are peacemakers. But then later on in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. Well, that goes against what he's just said, doesn't it? Well, that's seemingly what he's saying. Don't think that I have come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so when I read that, I was like, but you've just said that you have come to bring peace, and now you're saying, I have not. What is, how do you rationalize those two things? How do, we, how do we make sense of those seemingly contradicting verses? And I think that actually the truth is, when we make a decision to follow Christ, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, and we begin to live out the call that he puts on our lives as his followers, to become peacemakers, then conflict is sure to follow. That actually when we bring peace into our world, conflict will follow because we begin to swim upstream. We no longer fit into the mold which the world kind of tries to put us into. When we claim Jesus as our saviour, when we follow his teachings, we don't fit in any longer into what's going on in this world because we've got different views, we've got different ethics, we've got different morals, and I think that's what Jesus is saying here when he says that I have not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Because if true peace is taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, that is talking about bringing truth. And we've talked a lot, haven't we, about, you know, this, this idea in the world at the minute of, well, I'm living out my truth. And that might be different to your truth, but it's okay for, I'm living my truth. But we're not talking as, as followers of Christ. It's no longer a case of my truth and your truth, but the truth. The truth that is founded on the Word of God. And actually, when we bring the truth, and that is why it describes the Bible as a, a two-edged sword, because when we bring the truth into the world, it can cause people to get hurt, It can cause people to to get upset. It can cause people to get angry and anxious and that is why I believe this verse says I've not come to bring peace because actually when we bring peace in the word of truth it can result in conflict. Does that make some sense this morning? Because actually when we speak in truth it can begin to ruffle some feathers. It can begin to shake people up. It can begin to bring a little bit of aggravation. And that kind of brings out conflict. Mike Pilavachi, he said, Conflict is the inevitable result of Jesus coming to us. And if we're worthy of him, we must love him best and put him first, because that's how he loves us. So when we begin to follow Jesus, conflict is inevitable. It's not something that we seek. It's not something that we go after. But I believe that it is sure to follow when we bring peace into the world. Now, many of you know that I have zero interest in football. And I would go as far as to say I dislike it. And one of the reasons behind uh, my dislike of football is not totally because I'm rubbish at it, But it's also because what you'll see is that when you choose to follow a football team, no matter what team it is, and I could do a poll in here this morning to demonstrate the point behind what I'm about to say, is that if I say, okay, who supports Manchester United, then everyone else in the room will be like, boo, you suck. And that is just the truth of following football because when you follow one team, there will be sure to be a whole bunch of other people that have opinions about you because of that decision. And there can be aggravation and there can be anger. And I'm not just talking about the extremities of football hooliganism, but even like down to football chants. So Kate, uh, Toby came home the other day and Ruth had to tell him off because he was saying or singing this football chant. I didn't hear it, but it, had, it was offensive to another player on another team. And so Ruth was like, you can't say that. That is not kind. That is not how Jesus would live. And so we find that, don't we, in, in sport, that actually if you follow one team, that then there's this animosity that's seemingly just innate within us. Okay, I am, this, I am part of this tribe, and therefore I must hate everyone else. Like, what is that? And I think that that can be a little bit similar So when we choose to follow Jesus, that actually when we stake a claim in the ground that says, I follow Jesus, I follow his truth, the truth, that there will surely be others in the world that look at that and there's something that rises up within them that causes them to have conflict and anger and frustration and aggression towards us. It's an inevitability that conflict will come when we follow Jesus And I believe that it's uh, kind of exacerbated when we bring truth into the world. Because when we bring the truth of the word of God, particularly around contentious issues in the culture and society we live in, when we put our heads above the parapet and say, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe is the truth of God. People begin to get upset. People begin to feel challenged. In Hebrews 12 verse 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In Romans 12, 18 to 19, it says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. I just love how gracious God is. I absolutely love it. You know, when it comes to the call on our lives to share the good news of Jesus, we read the teaching in the Bible that says we are called to tell people about Jesus, but whether they hear it or not is not up to us. And so the pressure, the weight of that is lifted. We're called to sow the seeds, but he waters it. And it's the same with this idea of bringing peace. Because God says, Jesus says, we're called to be peacemakers. But he says in these verses, make every effort. Do your best. Do what you can. And he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you but we can only go so far on our own, can't we? But I think that what I'm hearing in these verses is actually that the, the pressure and the weight of bringing peace into the world is lifted off us. We just need to live in peace. We just need to bring peace. But whether that, whether that kind of materializes in the situation isn't on us. We just need to do our best. We just need to be walking towards this idea of peace. And whether it happens or not is not up to us. Because it takes two sides to to have peace, doesn't it? It takes both sets of people, both tribes, both groups to, to be at peace. But as long as we do what we can do, the rest is up to God. He just says, as far as it is that you can do, do your best to bring peace. And peace both means and involves reconciliation. And we've, we've talked a bit about reconciliation already in this series. But those two things, peace and reconciliation, they go hand in hand. And, um, you know, we talked about it when we looked at the theme of mercy, particularly, that Jesus came to bring reconciliation. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is in Christ God, in Christ, God reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation and so twice here in this short verse, Paul is saying to us that God reconciled us to him, and we need to bring reconciliation he doesn 't just say it once, he says it twice, so we've got to sit up and listen to what 's being said here we follow what he did first who he is we become by his spirit and so we're called to be peacemakers we're called to be peacemakers not peacekeepers but peacemakers and so I just want to look this morning at three things that that a peacemaker is are you with me good So the first is this, peacemakers are risk takers. And I love how Gary opened up this morning talking about being strong and courageous because in order to take risks, in order to be a peacemaker, it's going to take strength. It's going to take courage. It's going to take boldness. And I think it's really interesting that Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who love peace, blessed are those who keep the peace, But blessed are those who make peace. It's about being peacemakers. And there's a difference, isn't there, between keeping the peace and making the peace. Because peacekeepers avoid conflict. Peacekeepers don't like to rock the boat. You might also refer a peacekeeper as a doormat or a pushover. Because they just do what others want in order to keep the peace. Peacekeepers stay silent in order to avoid upsetting anyone. But actually, silence is cowardice in a situation that requires us to speak up. Author C. Joy Bell C. said that silence in the face of injustice is injustice in action. And so actually, sometimes there is a moment where we have to speak up, where we can't stay silent... Where even though we know that speaking up in truth is going to cause some upset, is going to ruffle some feathers, is going to rock the boat, the right thing to do is to speak up. And if we don't speak up, it's as bad as getting involved in what's going on. And we, as always, can look to Jesus as our example because Jesus spoke truth. All the time, Jesus spoke truth in every situation that he he came across or he found himself faced with, even when it ruffled feathers. I love that Jesus just kind of spoke truth, even when it would upset people, even when it would wind people up a little bit, because he knew that what he was saying was true. But what I also love is that the Bible tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Not just truth, but grace and truth. And that's the reality, that it's, it's both grace and truth. That's how we need to live. That's how we need to speak. That's how we need to act, with both grace and truth. Because if you have grace without truth, you end up with this almost kind of wishy-washy attitude that doesn't have any backbone and doesn't really help anyone. But if you have truth truth, without grace, then you get this almost harsh legalism that can end up being judgmental and condemning. But what we see through the life and ministry of Jesus is this beautiful picture of grace and truth going hand in hand and and working together in perfect unity so that he can speak out truth even when it's going to go against the culture and the society, that he can live out truth, even when it might ruffle some feathers. But he does it in such a way that is born out of a place of love and out of a place of grace. But this idea and this theme of being peacemakers, it's costly. And that's why I'm saying that to be a peacemaker is to take, to be a peacemaker is to take risks because there's a cost involved in bringing peace. We just need to think of the cross. Jesus died to bring peace. He died to reconcile us to God. But look at the cost, the ultimate cost of that decision. And even though the cost was great, he still chose to walk that path to to bring peace because he recognized the importance of being a peacemaker. And so I want to challenge us this morning that actually, when we look at a situation, when we see a scenario where peace is required, that we won't let the cost of bringing peace stop us from walking in peace. Because sometimes we can look at a situation and think, okay, I I, I could step in here. I could speak out some truth. I could bring some restoration, some resolution, but actually it's going to cost me. And so maybe that holds us back. Maybe that becomes a barrier. But peacemakers are risk takers and Jesus is the the ultimate risk taker, the perfect example. Says in Romans chapter 5, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So even when we had nothing to do with him, even when we were his enemies it says he was still chasing after us he was still pursuing peace his heart was still to see us saved his heart was for restoration for resolution that's what he longed for while we were still sinners while we were still his enemies we were reconciled to God through Christ he saw the cost and he still chose to bring peace you know, how many of us would literally risk our lives for someone? I think if we maybe just contemplate that for a, a moment, we, we might even land on, yeah, I would do that. But faced with a situation where we actually have to put our life on the line for someone, would we take that risk? Or would we count the cost as being too high? But then we look at Jesus and we see that he risked it all. And the truth is that he knew Before he even went on that journey towards the cross, he knew that there would be people who would reject him. He knew that there would be people who, even though they saw the work that he did on the cross, they would still run away from him. They would still say, no, thank you. I'm all right on my own. And even though he knew all of that, and even though he knew the pain and the suffering that he was going to go to, he still chose to walk that journey towards peace. He saw the cost, but he didn't let it become a barrier. It may not be possible for us to make peace, but we've got to be putting ourselves out there. We've got to be pursuing peace. We've got to be bringing peace into our world, into our families, into our friendship groups, into any scenario that we find ourselves in. We are called to be agents of peace. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Be the peace that you wish to see in the world. And you know, when it comes to being a peacemaker between two opposing parties, whether that be a full scale war or whether that just be a couple of friends having an argument, it's easy for us to stay out of it, isn't it? It's easy for us to just kind of shy away and run away because stepping in might cause us to get hurt there's a risk involved in stepping into this situation you'll probably get accused of taking sides if you step into an argument a conflict to bring some peace there's a risk that we can get caught in the crossfire but let's not run away from a situation but let's run into the situation despite the risk doing all that we can to bring peace So peacemakers are risk takers. And secondly, peacemakers are active and not passive. Peacemakers are active and not passive. I think all of us love the concept of peace. I don't think there's anyone here that would prefer there not to be peace over having it. But it's a whole different thing about being active and being intentional about bringing peace. But the truth is it's impossible to have peace. Peace without God's righteousness. Peace without righteousness is just a truce with sin. And pretending that something doesn't exist is not a strategy for peace, but it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And so peacemakers need to be courageous, like we've said. They need to be vulnerable. They need to be honest. They need to be humble. Peacemakers need to embrace grace and truth. And peacemakers need to value people. I don't know about you, but when it comes to conflict, when it comes to confrontation, there's two sides of how you can approach this. Either you love it and you thrive in that situation, or like me, you flee as far as you can because it's awkward and uncomfortable and challenging and makes me feel all a little bit sweaty. But that's part of the cost. That's part of the cost. That when we see conflict, when we see difficulties, that we can bring peace into a situation despite the fact that it might be challenging for us. Because it's far easier for us to ignore what's going on, to run away and hide rather than to have those tough conversations rather than to confront someone with the truth. But the reality is that if we put our heads in the sand, there will be no restoration. There will be no resolution. There will be no peace. And actually, when we choose to do that, that's choosing short-term peace instead of true reconciliation. It's putting off temporary hurt, but it'll end up causing long-term harm. So we can't allow the cost of potential hurt stopping us from bringing peace. Because if we care about a relationship and it's important to us, then we've got to face these things. We've got to go to that person and say, I'm sorry when we've messed up. We've got to be humble enough to acknowledge when we've made mistakes and to go and say that we're sorry rather than just saying nothing at all and hoping that it'll be forgotten about in a few days or weeks. Or on the flip side, maybe we need to have the courage and the boldness to go to someone and say, hey, I love you and our relationship is really important to to me. But when you said that, when you did that, that really hurt me. That caused me to stumble. It caused me to to fall and, and to make those confrontations, to, to have those awkward conversations, it can be really hard, can't it? It can be really challenging. And so instead what we do is we just, we just sweep it under the carpet and hope that it will go away. But that's not bringing about peace. That's not bringing about restoration. That is not what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying we are to be peacemakers. And so we need to be active, not passive. That's how we find peace. It's how we find reconciliation, by being honest, by having those hard conversations. I know a number of people who would prefer to jump on Facebook and post an angry rant about a circumstance or situation instead of just speaking to the person who they need to reconcile with. That is not helpful to anyone. That is not helpful to anyone. Burying your head in the sand, hiding, withdrawing, Saying nothing is not helpful, but learning to speak in grace and truth. And again, it comes back to that reality of grace and truth. You can go into a situation all guns blazing and say, You hurt me. I'm really angry with you. Or we can go in and we can do it a bit softer with the grace and the love and say, Do you know what? I really value what we have and I don't want to lose it. I don't want to miss out on anything because of this conflict. So, Let's just talk about it. Let's just resolve this a little bit. So I mentioned as part of our vision um, that this year we're going to be running a marriage course and we've got some dates in that we'll share with you um, next week or the week after. Um, But Ruth and I are piloting this marriage course so that, you know, it's right that we go through it so that we can then bring you guys with us on this journey. And um, it was, I mean, God's funny, isn't he? So I'm writing this preach and talking about conflict and and all this kind of stuff in relationships and and the session that we did on Friday night was about communication and uh, and there's this really awkward uh, I'm not trying to put you off coming to it it's actually really beneficial but there's there's this exercise that they ask you to do which is it's like reflective listening and it's it's a really odd concept. And so, but it comes out of this truth of, of bringing grace and truth to a relationship that you value so that you can, you can break through stuff rather than just sweeping it under the carpet. Because, I mean, I'm preaching to myself here, you know, maybe someone else is getting it, but this is for me. But I'm the kind of person that if there's conflict in our marriage, um, without wanting to share too much, if there's conflict in our marriage, then I would, I mean, there's that saying, isn't there? Happy wife, happy life. That is nonsense, because, you know, not saying stuff to keep your wife or your husband happy isn't helpful in the long run. That's what we've talked about, the short, avoiding short-term hurts. But, so there's this exercise in the marriage course where you sit down and they say, it's, it's very funny. So the couple who are leading it, they say, we're going to have a conversation. We've not prepared this. We're going to talk about something that is causing us some upset in our marriage. And the kind of pattern is, I share my frustrations with you. And then you essentially repeat them back to me without sharing your opinion, without adding anything to it. You just reflect it back so that you know and acknowledge that you've heard what the other person is saying. And so the lady shares her frustration and then the husband echoes it back. He doesn't add anything into it. He just echoes it back and then says, is there anything else that you wanna share on that matter? Uh, What's the most important thing about what it is that you're saying? And they do this back and forth, and they literally just reflect back what has been said without sharing any opinions. And who would find that challenging? And then they say, okay, we've done it, now you do it. And so we're sitting there in our lounge on Friday and, and I'm sharing this frustration with Ruth and she's not allowed to say anything back to me. She's just got to echo back what it is that she's hearing me saying. <laughs> I don't know, it's quite an unusual situation to be in. But the reality is that I think in many relationships we can have conflicts and we can have frustrations and we can have feelings and emotions that we'd rather not air or talk about with the other person for fear of rocking the boat, for fear of causing conflict, for fear of of there being any anger or frustration. And so instead, we sweep it under the carpet. We say nothing because that will just keep the peace in our relationship. But we're not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to be peacemakers. And so actually having those awkward conversations... And it's not just for relationships, it can be in business as well, where you need to sit down with a colleague or an employee and say, look, what you're doing is not right, it's not helpful, we need to work through this. And those conversations are really awkward to have, but actually, when you get through the awkwardness, when you get through the challenge and the pain of having those conversations, out of that will come resolution. Out of that will flow peace. So we are called to be peacemakers not peacekeepers and that requires us to be active not passive we cannot just sit back say nothing hope it'll go away we've got to step into the crossfire put our heads above the parapet take that risk in order to bring peace and third and finally peacemakers resemble their father And this is where the result comes in this beatitude. Because Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called sons of God. They shall be called children of God. Our heavenly father is a peacemaker. We've already said it. He chose to send his son to earth to die for us, to bring peace on earth. And we, as followers of Christ as children of God, should look just like him. We should be doing everything that we can to bring peace. And the good thing about Jesus is that he only did what he saw his father doing. And we too should only be doing what we see our father doing. We should look like, we should act like, we should speak like, we should love like our heavenly father. We're never more like God than when we take the wholeness and completeness that we have into a world that desperately needs it. This world is broken. This world is hurting. This world is living in my truth. And so we need to look like our Heavenly Father by bringing peace, no matter what the cost. By bringing peace, no matter how much it might hurt us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm ending here. It says, finally, believers, rejoice. Be made complete. Be what you should be. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. Enjoy the spiritual well-being experienced by believers who walk closely with God, who look like, who resemble their Father. And the God of love and peace, the source of loving kindness, will be with you. We're to be... Made complete. We're to become all that we can be in Christ and through Christ. We are to bring peace. We are to live peace. We are to make peace. And in doing that, we will look like the God of peace. When we live out this principle of being peacemakers in our world, we will look like, we will resemble our Heavenly Father. And ultimately, that's what this this journey is about, that, you know, we come to church on a Sunday and we listen to whatever it is that's being said. It's because we're trying to make ourselves more and more like Christ, so that we can bring His love into this world, so that we can bring His grace into this world, so that we can bring His peace into this world. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they shall be called children of God. Why don't we pray? So Father God, we just thank you for that, once again, that perfect example that you set through the person of Jesus. I pray that we never forget to look at the life and the ministry of Jesus. That we never stop doing all that we can to look like and be like you. I pray that our lives would reflect the beauty and the grace of our Heavenly Father. I pray that even what's been spoken this morning would challenge us and and maybe encourage us to make some changes within our own lives that will bring us closer to that Christ-like vision. And God, you've called us to be peacemakers I pray that you would fill us with the courage and the boldness to bring peace. I pray that you would fill us with the authority to stand on your word, on the truth of your word, and to speak peace. Even when there's a cost. Even when it might hurt us. Even though we might lose friends that God, we would stand firm on the truth of your word and bring peace. That idea of reconciling what is broken into wholeness. It's not about keeping peace, it's about making peace. So maybe just while we're all in this attitude of prayer, I just want to pray for a few groups of people. And so, Maybe this morning, as I've been speaking about the theme of peace, that you're feeling in a place personally of restlessness. restlessness. That actually, on a personal level, not in relationships around you, but just in your own spirit, you're not feeling at peace. And so I want to pray for you in a minute. And then I think there's some in the room where you're in a situation, whether that's in your... Relationship with your spouse, or with people in your family, or really close friends, where there's unrest, and what you need is peace. So I want to pray for you as well, and then finally I want to pray for um, for people who recognise situations in their world, but need an extra helping of courage to speak peace into those situations. And so I'm just going to ask you, uh, I'm going to go through the list again and ask you to raise your hands just so I can see who I'm praying for and no one's looking. Um, It's just for me so I can be praying for you. So if you're in the first category where you're feeling personally restless and you need peace, you just throw your hand up right now so I can pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, Father God, for those people who have put their hand up right now, I just pray that you will bring a sense of peace. That Holy Spirit, you would just pour into their lives right now, even as I'm saying these words, that you would bring your perfect peace. That peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray that they would feel your spirit moving in their bodies right now. That you would bring peace. That you would rid them of that feeling of unrest, of anxiety, of frustration. And you would just bring your perfect peace in Jesus' name. And if you find yourselves in the second category where you need peace in a relationship, why don't you throw your hands up? God, your heart breaks when there's conflict. That's not your plan. That's not your will. That's not your design. And so I just pray for those people right now in this room who are struggling with conflict, who are struggling with frustrations in these relationships. God, would you, would you grant them the courage to have those hard conversations, but to speak them in grace and truth. That there wouldn't be the condemnation and judgment that comes from just bringing truth. That there wouldn't be the passivity that comes from having grace, but that you would take those two hand in hand and bring them into these relationships right now. That even throughout this week, we would hear testimonies of restoration because you are bringing peace. spirit grant peace in those relationships bring restoration bring wholeness and if you're in that final category where you just need an extra helping of boldness and courage to speak peace into a situation in your world why don't you throw your hand up and I can pray for you, thank you Thank you, thank you, Al. Well. God, I thank you that you are our portion. You are our provision, you have everything that we need. And so right now, I pray for an extra helping of boldness, an extra helping of courage, that you would remind us of who we are in you, that we are children of God, that we stand on the truth of your word. And so God, I pray that you would allow us opportunity to go into those situations and once again to speak with grace and with truth, but that we would be able to bring peace, that we would be able to be peacemakers in those situations by God, by just speaking your truth with boldness, with courage, Remove the, the, the attitude of fear from our lives. May that be gone in Jesus' name. May the caution and the hesitation of the pain and the cost of speaking out in truth be gone in Jesus' name. And just give us the boldness and the courage to bring peace, to bring truth, to bring restoration into our world. God, I thank you that you are our provider, that you are everything that we need and more. In Jesus' name.